You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated. For various SEC-related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be recapping the Wildcats' victory over the Vanderbilt Commodores. We're also going to be discussing the Kansas game. The Wildcats have all the momentum heading into this one. And then finally, we're going to do some round-out rotation, going to talk about Severe Wheeler, Chris Livingston, some more things that we saw from the Wildcats and their rotation adjustments in this Vanderbilt game. Thank you so much for making Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Really, really means a ton to me here as we move closer to 5,000 subscribers at about 3,100 last time I checked. If you're listening on podcast, by the way, you can also leave a five-star review or subscribe to the channel as well. So the Wildcats picked up a victory over Vanderbilt on Tuesday night. 69-53 to was the final score. Now the 69 points there from the Wildcats may lead you to believe that this was not an efficient night shooting for Kentucky. It was actually one of the more efficient games that the Wildcats have played. So last year, whenever I did a recap of this game, one of the things that I noted is that Kentucky got out in transition well whenever they had opportunities, and they were efficient overall in the game. This game, I think, felt very similarly in a lot of different ways. First of all, the leading scorer of the night was Antonio Reeves. He came off the bench as the three-slash-shooting guard. Davion Mintz last year came off the bench as the shooting guard and led the team in scoring. He was the spark off the bench in this game. Antonio Reeves played a very similar role. He was 7 of 14 in this game, 2 of 5 from 3, had a rebound, 3 rebounds and assist. I think that we were right about a lot heading into this game. You and I, whenever we were breaking down this game yesterday. So Reeves has been playing really well as of late. He played 27 minutes in this contest, and he made the most out of them. Over these past several games, he's scored 20, 13, 18, 11, 23, and 16. His points per game average is continuing to climb. He's continuing to impress. I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe I take back what I said. Um, I don't remember if it was yesterday's show or if it was the show before about Tony Reeves because I still think he could start for this team. And... I said some interesting things about maybe what the rotation would look like and how that would mess things up potentially, but clearly Kentucky doesn't care about rotation because they put out some really interesting lineups yesterday, so he could start. But also, he's playing so well with these split minutes coming off the bench, Kentucky may just want to rock with it, and I think that's perfectly fine. So props to Antonio Reeves for having the, I would say, the the best night outside of Oscar Shibway in this matchup. Shibway. 15 points, 13 rebounds. It's what you have expected. I thought that Liam Robbins would be a problem. I did not realize. I actually do research for the show, you guys. I promise I promise that. I spend quite a bit of time putting together documents for this, uh, for this show. I just completely missed the fact that Liam Robbins was out. I don't know how I missed it, but uh, Quentin Melora Brown 
was the uh, was the replacement there. And he was uh, he was a physical presence. I think later on in the season for Vanderbilt last year, he was essentially uh, nothing for them in this game. Had no points, played twenty three minutes, was zero of two from the floor. Can, or excuse me, Vanderbilt had to put somebody out there, and they couldn't hold Sheebway. That's kind of been the thing so far this year. Uh, whenever Sheebway matches up with somebody that is of similar stature or uh, lacks a, a little bit of talent, you know Sheebway is taken advantage. He got really, really good positioning in this game. His teammates set him up very, very well. I think offensively, although it is only 69 points, it may be one of the most impressive performances on that end of the floor for the Wildcats this season. They were 56.4% from the field, 31 of 55. That's really, really good. 37.5% from three, six of 16. That's great. And the weirdest thing to me, is Kentucky only shot two free throws in this game. Vanderbilt only had five personal fouls. Five, which is a just a stark contrast to the team we played last time in Texas A&M. They did not apply a ton of pressure on the defensive end, and they struggled to get back in transition. That was kind of the story of this game to me. Kentucky got really good positioning. They executed well first on the offensive end, and Vanderbilt had some really weird shot selection I think, with some of their first shots that they got. They didn't get a ton of offensive rebounds. They only got eight. Kentucky only got seven, to be fair. Um, but, but it was just so strange how Vanderbilt was settling for some contested jump shots instead of trying to work the offense. After their first few minutes of the game, I thought, man, Vanderbilt came in with a plan. I was impressed with what they were doing on that end of the floor. They just weren't knocking down a ton of baskets. But uh, credit to Jerry Stackhouse and uh, schematically what he's done for this team. And then all of a sudden... They just kind of started to stray away from that, and they were missing jumpers. They were 32.7% from the floor. Both teams took 55 shots. Kentucky made 31. Vanderbilt only made 18. They just weren't effective. They played their game plan, and they couldn't execute. It's just, it was it was a very weird, it was a very strange night for Van, from Vanderbilt, who I felt like could have performed well in this game and could have won. Miles Stute, by the way, it, uh, it, it was one of the more, I think, effective scorers for the Commodores heading into this contest. He only had three points and he only put up five shots. I mean, overall, it was just not a good night for anybody uh, on this team outside of maybe uh, outside of maybe Dia, who came off the bench for them, Malik Dia. So it was just a night where Kentucky came in and handled business, which is so weird considering the fact that every game up until this point has been really tough. I mean, to go on the road in the SEC and pick up a 16-point win against anybody, I think is great. The fact that Kentucky could not beat South Carolina, but could turn around and beat this team by 16, I think says a lot about where they've performed and transitioned since that game. They've evolved, I think, a little bit since that contest against the Gamecocks. This was a full team win. It was a balanced win. Four of the five starters scored in double figures. The only player that did not was Chris Livingston. I think his role may be changing here coming uh, soon, and I'm not saying that in a negative way at all. I'm talking about his rotation maybe to another spot. So I think it was a good win. Overall, good win. Very impressed with what the Wildcats did. Only playing with eight players, by the way. You, You notice last year, the rotation started to get a little tighter, and then it got really tight late. Now we're starting to see maybe a similar similar effect. Uganda and Yenzo not in action tonight. Not quite sure whether or not that is an injury 
or if it is uh, if it is uh, from something else. I know he was injured about a week ago. I don't know if he's still suffering from that. So that's kind of my thought on the Kentucky Vanderbilt win. I expected this to be a lot more competitive than it was. Vanderbilt had some shots that they could have made, and they just simply didn't make them. That was it. Was just that type of night, and then the Wildcats got out and ran in transition really, really well. I want to talk about this Kansas game. What's coming up for the Wildcats? They have all the momentum heading into this one, and I think this night against Vanderbilt is reflective of what they could be doing, the way they could be executing, heading into that matchup with the Jayhawks. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. That's right. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers can join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. All you have to do is just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props, all that good stuff. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game Parlay. Obviously, the NFL playoffs are coming up this weekend. You've got conference championships. They're going to have a lot of different stuff over there at FanDuel for you to check out with that. Like like I mentioned, player props, uh, a personal favorite of mine, could be a lot of fun for you as well. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. So football fans, you do not want to miss out on this. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, over at FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can make every moment more with FanDuel the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, continuing along here on the Wednesday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. So the Wildcats picked up a great win, I think, against the Vanderbilt Commodores. And sure, some of us may look down on Vanderbilt. Obviously, there's a really long win streak here going on against the Commodores. But something that I noted is that this team can score, and they were scoring pretty effectively heading into this game. It was so weird to me to see Kentucky just kind of shut them down on that end of the floor after the defense for the Wildcats has not been, I would say, phenomenal. But man, you look over these past four games, Kentucky has held Tennessee, Georgia, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt to 56, 71, 67, and 53. Now, none of these teams here, I think, are offensively elite, but I do think that it has to be respected that the fact that Kentucky's Playing good defense right now. It's not just about what's happening on the offensive end of the floor, guys. I know whenever I talk about rotations, I'm really obsessed with what is going on with the players and their scoring ability. You have to give credit to the defense right now with the way that they're playing in this SEC slate. It's very impressive to me. And they've got an opponent that Kentucky now, according to Kim Palm, is going to beat. It's very close still. But it is now flipped in favor of the Wildcats. Kentucky versus Kansas for the SEC Big 12 Challenge later this week. It's going to be on Saturday. It's going to be a massive game in Rupp Arena. Right now, Kim Palm has now flipped their script. They believe Kentucky is going to win this game. If you go and look on ESPN, it's even more drastic. According to ESPN's BPI, uh, the Basketball Power Index there, Kentucky has a 65.4% chance to beat the Jayhawks in Rupp. I think a lot of this is pretty clear. Why things have changed so so dramatically in Kentucky's favor, even though they're only 14 and 6. Kansas right now is on a slide. I don't want to sit here and dog the opponent before we get to play them. 
let's be very clear. Kentucky, or excuse me, Kansas has some very talented players. They play good defense. They had a really long winning streak. Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, Grady Dick, KJ Adams, those guys are very, very good. Jalen Wilson is in contention for player of the year. These guys are talented. And they have arguably the best strength of schedule in the country, hands down. But over these past three games, now that they've waded deeper into Big 12 play, they have hit a three-game losing streak, something that has only happened in the Bill Self era so many times. He's never had a four-game losing streak. And right now, Kim Palm thinks that's going to happen. ESPN thinks it's going to happen. They are 16-4. and They started off 5-0 and in conference play, 16-1 and overall. Then they lost to Kansas State in overtime. They lost to TCU by a million. And then they lost to Baylor by six on the road on Monday. This team is sliding. And right now, Kentucky is on what? Four-game winning streak? They're coming in hot. Now, they've not played, I would argue, nearly as good of competition as Kansas has. But... All it takes is an efficient shooting performance. That's all it takes. And Kentucky right now has proven that they can do that. They proved it against Vanderbilt. They're coming in with some momentum. This is the time where you need to execute. I've said it, I think, three or four times in different episodes on this show. It's not necessarily about how many teams you beat. That's important, but what's more important is who you beat. Because if Kentucky was 14-6 and six right now, but they had beaten the Zags, beaten UCLA, beaten Alabama, we'd be singing a much different tune about where they are in bracketology. We'd be singing a much different tune, tune about what this team's ceiling is. So you've got an opportunity to beat a top 10 team in your home floor after drilling them last year at their place. You do not want to mess this up. You do not want to slip up here. You have all the momentum in the world Now is the time to execute. And that's the question. Does Kentucky execute? Because we've seen them at times in big games this year fall short, either in dramatic fashion or in blowout fashion. They have not been able to clutch it up outside of the Tennessee game. And whenever I say really good opponent, I mean really good opponent, guy. We're we're talking a top 25 opponent. Top 40. If you want to look at the top 40 teams that Kentucky's played in the top 40, They've lost to Michigan State, Gonzaga, UCLA, Alabama. Only team they've beaten is is Tennessee. Can they do it? Can they accomplish it? And you may sit here and say, well, Lance, they beat Tennessee on the road. Surely they can beat Kansas at home, right? Surely that's possible. But something that I want to point out is transitive property is not always the most accurate thing because teams match up differently with each other. The college game and the NBA game is about matchups. So you can you can talk all you want about schematics, about X's and O's, about analytics. Analytics will help you identify different matchups and how to execute properly, but it's all about individual one-on-one matchups. That's what the game's about. Kansas has already played Tennessee, and that was their one loss in their 17-game stretch to begin the season. They lost by 14 to the Vols. Because Tennessee plays really, really stout defense, and they ended up having an okay shooting night. It wasn't good by any means, but they ended up getting it done, even though normally they don't shoot phenomenally as a whole. 
So right now, Kentucky is playing an opponent that is molded much differently than the best opponent they have defeated. The, the opponents that Kentucky has played that are similar to Kansas, they've lost against. And some of those have been close defensive matters. Some of them have been blowout losses where they gave up a million points. And so that's the question we have to ask ourselves. What is Kentucky doing right now to prepare for this game to make sure now that they have a win streak, now that they have momentum, now that they've tried, tried to find an identity, what are they doing to make sure that they go out, they execute, and they pick up this win? Because right now, all signs point to Kentucky getting a close victory. That's what the analytics tell us. That's what the websites tell us. That's what our, our emotions tell us. So if Kentucky were to lose this game, would it be an upset? I don't know. I think this is a question we have to ask. It's very bizarre at this point because I thought after that South Carolina game, it was over. I thought it was all written in stone. I thought this season was over. But Kentucky's turned it around, like I said, after that South Carolina game as well. Kentucky could go and they could win out. We don't know. They could. It's definitely a possibility. We'll just have to see. Very excited about this Kansas game this weekend. I want to talk about the rotation. I want to talk about what Cal's doing with Severe Wheeler. I want to talk about what Chris Livingston is doing. Before I get to that, though, I just want to remind you guys to please subscribe to the channel if you've not already. If you're listening on podcast, please leave a review for the show. It would mean a ton to us. I do not ask you to sub just because I have to or I just feel like it or it's just something here to fill the time. I genuinely need subscriptions from you guys if you want to keep listening to the show and listening to all the different things coming your way, Kentucky basketball-related. If you have any questions about anything Kentucky-related, you can leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. Please subscribe to the show if you are interested in listening. All right, wrapping up the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl, hanging out here with you. So, Severe Wheeler, obviously recovering from an injury, but rotationally, Kentucky's been doing something interesting while he's been recovering, and it looks now like he's just about ready to go. He looks healthy, but now he's coming off the bench. Against Vanderbilt, he played 23 minutes, and he had five assists, two turnovers, was two of five from the floor. That, I think, may be more of his style moving forward. That may be what Kentucky wants to do with him. And you notice the way that Kentucky plays whenever he shifts in. Somebody on Twitter said something to the effect last night of like, it's it's clear Cal wants Kentucky to push things in transition whenever Severe Wheeler gets in the game. If they don't get anything on the break, they've had Cason Wallace in the game as well. So Severe Wheeler shifts to the wing and then Cason Wallace gets to run the half court offense. I think that may be what Kentucky wants to do moving forward. Now, whether or not Severe Wheeler works out well as a good wing player, I think is what we can debate here, considering his size and considering his shooting ability. But it's an interesting move nonetheless. It's a move that has not harmed the Wildcats yet. Cason Wallace, by the way, in last night's game was 4 of 8 from the field. He had a steal, an assist, 5 rebounds, no turnovers. 10 points overall, solid outing. 
So getting Kaysen Wallace to be your lead man, and then Severe Wheeler coming off the bench, getting about seven to six less minutes a game, bringing them in at the same time occasionally, maybe putting Antonio Reeves there at the three, putting C.J. Frederick in for funsies at the three. I mean, it's all interesting. Rotationally, it's very interesting what Kentucky's trying to do right now. So do you, I, I want to ask this to you guys. Do you think that Severe Wheeler should be the guy that comes off the bench and then occasionally plays on the wing whenever Cason Wallace is, is in? I think, I think that it's definitely something that Kentucky needs to look at. Now that we've kind of been discussing this for quite some time, and now that we've seen it implemented and it's not harmed them, we can now sit up and say, okay, let's have a legitimate discussion about this. So should Kentucky do it? I think they should continue to do it until, the, until it doesn't work. But I want to know your guys' thoughts. You can leave that in the, the uh, comments below. Last night, they had a lineup. I want to shift now to Chris Livingston. Kentucky had a lineup at one point. That was just really strange. So they had Severe Wheeler and Case and Wallace in. They had Antonio Reeves at the three. The front court's where, it's got, where it got interesting. They had Chris Livingston at the four and Lance Ware in at the five. They subbed Oscar Shibway out. They did not play Onyenzo, I assume, because he's still not 100%. And it produced some interesting results. I did not like it. I think Kentucky got scored on a couple of times. I was very confused by that lineup. Because initially, I'm like, Cal doesn't want to play Livingston at the four. He's been pretty reluctant to do that at, up until this point. And Chris Livingston, I mean, he's not been playing terribly recently, but he's also not been playing great. And he came in in this game, did not do a whole lot from an offensive standpoint. But then after the game, Cal was like, yeah, I think we like Livingston at the four. I think he's com more comfortable there. I think we're more, more comfortable with him there. And that's very interesting to me. Because a lot of people have been calling for that since the beginning of the season, right? Like, well, that's definitely a possibility we could put Livingston at the four over maybe somebody else because he brings shooting. He's also just as physical, yada, yada, yada. I'm not completely sold on it, but I do want to see more of it. Anything that Kentucky wants to do in these games where they can maybe take a risk like that and see if they can make something out of it, I'm all for it. I'm all for adjusting the lineup. But it's very fascinating to me. That's the direction Kentucky wanted to go. Instead of, you know, focusing more on what Wallace, Antonio Reeves, and then another guard could do, you decide to slide down Livingston, take Jacob Toppin out, and then just rock with Lance Ware, I guess. And he only played five minutes, Lance Ware did. So it wasn't like it was a serious lineup. It was a very short-lived lineup. Also, Jacob Toppin, I mean, I don't understand why we're taking him out of the four because he's playing well right now. He was 6 of 7 last night. He had 12 points, 2 blocks, 10 rebounds, had a double-double. So uh, we'll see what happens. I just think it's all interesting. I just wanted to note that as we, as we, as we wrap up here. I don't, I don't necessarily know what to make of it. I don't like it. I don't hate it. I'm just kind of indifferent on it. I want to see more from it. If you have any thoughts on it, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. Follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. Follow the show on Twitter, or excuse me, on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Again, questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. 
and God bless.